0: And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here.
1: Oh, Glenn, I'm so sorry I'm late. I was just out there training. Where have you been? I was out there training my dog. What took you so long? Well, we were doing this particular scenario mm. where we are using a hard dog chomp. Yep. I got that from Canon Dynamics, by the way. From old mate Mark LaPointe? Mark LaPointe. Yep. Yeah. I, got, uh, I get a lot of my working dog equipment from him. He really flogs some good stuff, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Canon Dynamics. Yeah. And then- my dog was attached to a leash and collar. Where did you get that from? I got that from Einswick Dog Quip.
2: Not the old bullfed. I got it from Jason. Oh. <laughs> okay. Einswick yeah. Dog Quip. And, com.
1: And it all went perfectly. Yep. So I- How'd you reward the dog? I'm I very interested. Well, aside from the bites on the chomp, mm-hmm. but, you know, for other things, Yep. I gave
2: the dog some Brights Bites. Oh, good call. Yep. Brights Bites. You really are a name dropper, aren't you? <laughs> You've got the best of the three. You've got the golden triad right there.
1: Absolutely. Mm. If you want, you know, if you're in North America and you want working dog equipment, Yep. Canon Dynamics. Yep. If you're in Australia and you want any kind of dog equipment, Einswick like Dog Quip. And if you're going to use dog treats, you're crazy if you're feeding your dog anything other than Bright Spot. Absolutely. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio by my co-host, Glenn Cook. And joining us in studio today, we have a non-dog industry person. Who well, is a dog owner? But it's a friend of mine, a guy I've known for a long time. Like 15 years or something. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Hmm. yeah. Mr. Matthew Boone. Hello. Hello. Hi, Matt. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Welcome to the show. Hey, yeah. so I should explain to people, we were in the army together. We were. But you have since gone on... To no longer be a special forces sniper, <laughs> you are. <laughs> I don't know if uh, everybody knows, but I was a special forces sniper. Right <laughs> I should make that extremely You Just make sure everybody up. knows. Yeah. So you have a business now called Sales Sniper,
2: and you are a sales coach. So you know how to hit targets. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Boom tish. If you don't put a sound effect of a snare.
0: Uh. <laughs> yeah. So I have a. I have a company called Sales Sniper. To give the rough overview, we do sales coaching, we also do done-for-you sales, and then we do like sales systemization. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of that's sort of how we roll. Mm. Yeah, Pat asked me to be on the podcast today so that I could help, I guess, the dog trainer world having actually, my dog is actually with a dog trainer right now. Mm-hmm. What type of dog do you have?
1: I have a Cavalier. Mm-hmm. It's with Mel Plonsky.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So over in
1: WA.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's getting trained one on one of yep. how to not be a terror. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so hopefully when I get back to WA, he's good to go. Nice. Um, so, like, sort of the dos and don'ts and how to. I guess you know when you're good at something, you have an obligation to be able to get people to get out of their own way to get that. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, dog owners and everyone like no one's different. Everyone sort of, you know, sees investment and there's cost and price and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, Pat wanted me to come on today so that I could, I guess, just kind of the do's and don'ts of sales and how to not put people off and some things that you can do that are going to make it easier in order to get people over the line without feeling salesy and gross.
1: Yeah, that's it. I think that so we've had quite a lot of requests whenever we put out for ideas for the podcast. What do you want to hear about is people talk about like the business side of us like dog training. So I think a lot of our listeners are somewhere in that jobby space mm. where they've been an amateur or dog training enthusiast for a number of years, as well as keeping their real job or their, their main job. And are in that transition to taking on, yeah, I can do this for a full time. Like I can make all my money through this. This can be my actual job. And the tricky part that a lot of people face there is certainly what I did is like converting sales. And I think that because you're good on the tools as a dog trainer, does not in any way, shape or form mean that you're good in sales.
0: Yeah. I mean, like the background that I had when I got out of the army, I became a personal trainer and that became abundantly clear because the guys who had spent all this money upskilling and becoming great personal trainers, some of them were super successful and some of them were barely getting by. And then there were guys who were just fast talking dudes Mm. who were really good with people, but were terrible, but they were killing it. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I guess, like, how do you manage that? Right. You know, Mm -hmm. you can go the business side or you can go like on the tool side. And so what I decided to do was develop myself to the point where I was really happy with what I could provide, but then like sort of figure out how do I transition people into becoming clients as easily as possible. Mm. And then from there, opened up a bunch of gyms and, you know, all that stuff happened and then sold that. And now I do the sales stuff. So I guess really... You know, some some of the really important things that people can do to get better at sales without being good at sales. Yeah. Right? Because, like, you don't need to be, like, a guru. And I don't think anyone, if you're, like, just, like, looking to just kind of do the dog training thing. If you're looking to grow, like, an empire in dog training, you definitely need to go down that road and, like, become that guy who can feed everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if that's not what you want to do, then, like, don't go spending, you know, twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in sales coaching because you're probably not going to get that much of a return in the short term.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so... Having a process that people can go through and like mapping out your client journey is kind of step one, as far as I'm concerned.
1: So hang on, before we get into all of that, let's just talk a little bit, because you've helped me out since leaving Army with business direction stuff. And in that five years since I left and have been running my own business, the changes in sales process and online marketing and that sort of thing has, it's a different beast altogether, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, online sales is a whole nother thing. An ad that would have worked on Facebook five years ago probably will get you nothing now, am I right?
0: Yeah, I mean, sort of there's a marketing process and there's a sales process, right? right. So if you're going to go on the paid ads route, you'd want to pay some money to
1: someone to mm-hmm. figure that piece out because otherwise you're going to waste a lot. So expand on that a little bit because that's something that I know a lot of people do, right? You see a lot of sponsored posts on Facebook for small dog training businesses. And I sometimes think, God, I wish these people sort of knew better because it's coming up in my feed for a dog walking business in California. And yeah. so I'm like, yeah. first of all, I'm, a, I'm another dog world professional, so I'm not using your service. And I'm on another continent, so I'm definitely not using your service.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think the first thing you need to do is is really like chunk down your niche mm-hmm. and figure out who it is you actually wanna to talk to. Mm. Because there's no point dispassionately speaking to 150,000 people, mm-hmm. when you can passionately speak to 5,000 people. Yeah, And then really start to create a message. And Facebook is a super powerful tool these days. And like organic Facebook works really well. Yeah. Right. So just by providing content, don't be salesy. Don't be gross. Don't be like, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. But actually like, you know, there's some great strategies around going into Facebook groups, right? Of people who like dog owners and just providing value. Mm -hmm. Don't pitch, don't do any of that stuff. But then you like them, friend them provide value with them. And then from there, like your front of mind, Mm -hmm. right. And then once they reach out to you or you have a conversation, then you can put them through a process step-by-step that leads them into either doing in-person or like Skype sessions. Right. Mm -hmm. And you've got to have that sort of that product funnel built out. And it doesn't mean you need to go out and like buy click funnels and phone sites and all these things. But really what you want to do is just know, okay, like there's a funnel, right? Like it's like the shape of a funnel and there's all these points where people are going to jump out So just understand all the segments of that funnel and what concepts you want to kind of espouse as they move through it. And then what the final game is, which Mm -hmm. is selling them a product or service, Mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of step one is like really niching down and figuring out where they're gonna go through. Sure. And once you've got that, like then it's just about actually like analytically, like the good thing about trainers is that they look at things from quite an analytical perspective. So you can say, okay, well, if I do the same thing every time, And something like, and at a particular point, people are falling out. So I can just fix that one point, Mm -hmm. which is what people do really badly is they do sales, they do marketing, they're trying this, they're trying this, and then they don't record any of it. And then something doesn't work and they just throw the baby out with the bathwater and they Mm -hmm. just go, well, that didn't work. I'll try again. You know, whereas if you understand what you're looking at, and even if you don't have the training, you can still understand that. Like if I put a post out, a certain amount of people are going to see that. A certain amount of people are going to read it they're going to click on a link if it goes somewhere external and you can track all that extremely yeah. easily how many people saw the website how many people put details in how many people then did i contact and how many people then did i sell mm-hmm. that's a process you don't need anything for that really you can buy phone sites which i think is like 50 bucks a month and you can build a landing page in your phone in 10 minutes right right which is a great company run by a guy called ryan steeman so look up phone sites and if you don't have any tech What's ability. What's his name? Ryan Steumann. Mm-hmm. He's like a sales trainer dude in the US. Quite a, big, quite a big name. And he has a great company called Phone Sites. It's like you literally build a landing page mm-hmm. or a website in 10 minutes or from your phone. Right. You requires no tech.
1: And then that's just something that you're going to record. People put in their details, email address, phone yeah. number, and then you, you do the follow-up sales. Exactly. Piece.
0: You can link up to Active Campaign or whatever you want to do.
1: One of the reasons I think like your stuff is so relevant to us here, your long history is because- you've done a lot of coaching personal trainers and gyms and that. And I think that it's such a similar model Mm. because you're doing group classes and one-on-ones, right? Like that's that's what we do as dog trainers. So like we do add to that board and trains and that's the whole gamut of, of what people are selling in dog training group classes. Yeah. It's a facility of consultants. Yeah. Mm. So I think the, the sales process for, Dog trainer versus a personal trainer, uh, very, very similar.
0: Yeah. So and and in that, like once you get people, so once you've kind of taken them through that funnel, then having a, a process that you take people through. Now, the biggest like no-nos is sort of like don't let people leave without getting some form of commitment and don't do that in a weird way. And I'll kind of explain what I mean. But if someone says like, I need to think about it, I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. You can't finish the conversation there. Okay. Like that's, that's <laughs> not.
1: Okey-doke, I'll hear from you tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Be like, all right, cool. Like, what would you like to hear? Can I ask you a few questions? Like, how are you feeling about that? Like what is it specifically you want to think about? You know, cause I'm kind of here and I have all the info in my head so I can, you know, and that's where like giving people, information before speaking to them is super important. So everyone buys on emotion 100% of the time. Okay. That's a proven stat, right? No one buys on logic. It just doesn't happen, right? So you have to tie off the logic side of the brain before you speak to them. So you kind of got emotion and then you've got logic, right? So logical is just like administration. Okay, what do I actually get? Now I sell programs all the time over the phone for 30, 40, 50 grand. And I never tell them what they get, <laughs> right? They have no
1: idea. They have yeah. no idea what they bought, but they're super excited about whatever it is. What are those products you're selling there though? Just so people understand.
0: Like, so my company specializes in selling for like high-end coaches and consultants, right? Right. So we sell for like business coaches in the States who are doing big expensive programs all the way up to like a hundred thousand bucks. And mm-hmm. we, once they do all the marketing and then my guys take over from the moment they have to speak to a person. Right. And so that's like my specialty, right? Writing all the scripting for that and making the process really nice and, really
1: nice and slick. And so, so they understand what they're getting as far as like, they you, know who they're buying. Yeah. They, they know the, the product is a coaching course, yeah. but not much of its actual content.
0: Yeah. So, me personally, the way that I sell, I don't focus on deliverables because deliverables can change. Mm-hmm. And I don't like being on the hook when things change and I haven't been told. Right. Right. So, I kind of, because I sell for multiple people and different products and different services, I have to have a process that for me, I can replicate regardless of what I'm selling.
1: Okay. So that's interesting for our listeners to also, because that would mean if you sell in that way, you're free to change your program very easily, right? So like if you're selling people into a three-week board and train, if you outline your process too thoroughly, then you're bound to that process and it, it sort of restricts you from being able to adapt on the fly.
0: Exactly. Like when Mel came into my house, right? So uh, my dog's getting trained in a and train. It was a recommendation from Pat. And so she came into my house and she basically sold me, right? And I, I just told her, I was like, uh, stop. You know, I was <laughs> like, like I like being pitched. I'm a really easy person to sell, right? Incredibly easy. I was like, I don't care what you're going to do with my dog. Like that is is of no relevance to me. All I want to know is, is that you understand the outcome that I want. Mm-hmm. Other, Like other than that, I don't frankly give a shit what you do. Yeah. Cause I, I trust Pat and you've been recommended by Pat. So like, you've gone that piece, right? If I'm mm-hmm. talking to you, it's good to go. And so for her, I was like, listen, like just walk me through the outcomes. Like ask me questions about the interactions that I have with my dog and why those things annoy me, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, my dog always runs out as soon as I open the door. Oh. And like, what does that do? Does that have any impact on how you guys work as a family? Well, yes, it does. Because it means that every time we get out the door, it's a stressful situation for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I was able to remove that, would that make your life better? Yes, it would. Okay, how much money would you like? Like, that is, I have two little kids, and it's a nightmare. And if they mm-hmm. can fix that one problem for me, and there's a whole bunch of other problems, but there are very specific problems that are massive emotional triggers. Mm-hmm. And you can tell by the tonality and the timber of someone's voice, what problems are really important. Okay. And so if you just read somebody and you actively listen, and by actively listen, I mean, there is no internal monologue. Mm. So when I'm speaking to someone in a sales environment, like I'm very focused on what they're saying and I am not thinking of my response. Mm. Okay. Right. So, and that's how you, and when you do that, people can really tell and then they do the same for you. And then you can use techniques like slowing down how you talk Like, you know, my talking voice is quite quick. Mm -hmm. This is much slower than I normally speak. This is my sales and coaching like tone, Mm -hmm. right? It's much slower. And then you can use techniques to make it, even if you have pre-bottled responses, people don't like pre-bottled responses. So if I'm going to say something, I'll stutter or I'll pause and I'll go. So, So like with the dog, Like what, I guess, like what outcomes are you really looking for? Okay. Now I can say that, hey, so with your dog, like what outcomes are you looking for? It's very different. Right. And so by using those kind of techniques, like they're just communication and persuasion techniques that anyone can apply to make someone feel like they're really being listened to. Mm -hmm. And if somebody feels like they're being listened to, they're going to tell you things that they wouldn't tell anybody else. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, cause dogs can be a nightmare. (laughs)
3: like
0: (laughs) you know know, like unfortunately like we had to re like pat he helped me rehome my labrador jake because he was just terrible with the kids like that fully our fault i have no doubt like we babied that thing and then we had kids and it was like not the baby anymore and it just didn't handle it right yeah and so like that was a huge issue for us and like we could have gone a bunch of different ways you know what i mean but really like you know, I would have paid any amount of money if, I, if we thought it could be fixed or if this, you know what I mean? But it was just like, okay, this is the best option. And so like, I understand how like emotionally draining dogs can be both mm. good and bad and fixing those problems because like is is essential. And it's a very emotional thing, especially for a family. Mm-hmm. And So like you can really get down to the emotional side of it. And once someone feels heard and they feel like you understand, then the solution you provide, they feel like, okay, that's the solution, Mm -hmm. you know? And you
1: never talk about your solution until you fully explore the problem. Mm. Something I think that's worth injecting here is it feels so gross talking about sales. And I know that a lot of people in the industry are not good at it and are kind of somewhat even proud of being not good at it, right? Because it's like, no, I'm good on the tools. I'm great with the dogs. I'm not good at that part. And there are a lot of people in the industry that we know are you know, world famous known around the place who are fucking terrible dog trainers, but amazing salespeople. And there's a lot of people who are then frustrated, like how come people keep going to this guy? And it's not about that. They're frustrated over money. Like how's he's making more money than me that money I'm sure plays into it, but it's like, I'm providing a great service. I know dogs. I'm good with dogs. I'm going to give you the best outcome for your dog, but they're going with the snake oil salesman who says the right thing. So, just front load people, it's worth understanding this stuff, right? So that you can uh, do your job effectively. When you understand this, it gives you the opportunity to then, you know, provide better outcomes for the dogs that you intend to train. For sure. And I think that there's,
0: so if you get into the weeds of selling, there's three eras of selling, Mm -hmm. right? So there's the first era, which is like Ponzi. You know what I mean? Just people were ridiculously naive and there was dudes that came in, literally snake oil salesmen and just tricked everyone. That was like era one, right? It's real like sort of, hey, how you doing? Real fast talking sales. Era two is like Wolf of Wall Street, right? Mm -hmm. So has anyone seen Boiler Room? You know what I mean? It's sort of like a real famous salesman with Ben Affleck and stuff like that. And it's about that whole era of the 80s and selling stocks and just screwing people over. Mm -hmm. Now that kind of took through until probably like the early 2000s when that that style was really big. And then there's what's called like the third era, which is like the post-trust era. So that's when, like, if you, people get the hint that you're selling them something, they hate you. <laughs>
3: yeah. Right?
0: And so, like, yeah. like we've all had that where, like, we get cold, cold, and it's like, hey, Matt, this is just such and such, and I'm super excited to talk to you. And it's like, whoa, 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 I hate you. I hope <laughs> that you die in a fire. Goodbye, yeah. yeah. Right? And that's, that's the gross side of it. Yeah. Well, it's only gross because of the context that's been put on it from yeah. other people. Mm. Yeah. Right? So... The old school is like be enthusiastic about your product and the prospect will be enthusiastic at it as well when the data says the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I teach cold calling, right? And it's a it's still by far and away the most effective marketing tool on the planet, right? But I do it in a totally different way. It's very slow. It's like, hey, is this um is this is this Pat? And you go, I was just wondering if you could help me out for a second. And you go, yeah. And you go, I was just want, you know, and then you kind of go through like a bit of a script about are you looking for some help and stuff? It's very low key. It's very quiet. So like my sales style is very, very like, hey man, how are you? Um, you know, we're just here to have this call. Is now still a good time? All right, cool. So what is it you want to get out of the call today? Mm-hmm. It's very, very low key. And so every time you feel like you're selling, that person feels like 10 times that and it's mm. called sales resistance. That's like the little nomenclature for it. And that makes people put up emotional walls because they feel like, you're trying to trick them into giving them money. So everything they say will be used as ammunition against them. Sure.
2: Yeah, I know exactly how that feels. To add to that point, there's times where people have a conversation with me on the phone and I I can just feel that the sting is coming and the phone call is very uncomfortable. You know, it could be a family member for the argument's sake that wants a favour for something, but I know it's there. And I kind of feel like, why don't you just ask me for the favour and then we can have a conversation. Like the conversation is all leading up to, hey, I need you to do this thing for me. And he's thinking, just ask me first because it feels really – like the whole conversation feels really creepy. You know, Mm. like you're sitting on the other end of the phone thinking – This is just a very tense and uncomfortable phone call because I know you want something, but you're trying to build something around it to get to that point, like try and break me down to get there. Why don't you just say to me, Hey Glenn, you know, like you've got this, I need it or, you know, like I need to borrow some money or I'm selling something or something like that. I don't know. Well, there are times where obviously that works on me because I don't feel it coming, you know, and, and I feel happy about the situation. I feel happy about the engagement and then whenever the product or service or favor is, is called on, I'm happy to hand it over. But there's other times where I feel it's coming. Now my technique with those people is just say, what do you want? That might be a bit cold, but I just, you know, for argument's sake, I've had family members that have called me up and I've just said, look, what is it that you want? You know, like what what can I do for you? Because I know that the call is about I want something. And those people are usually bad salespeople, you know, like they usually don't know how to Most people are bad salespeople. Most people are bad salespeople.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a couple of key things in there. And then when you when you get that feeling, first of all, if you get that people if you give people that feeling you're you're you've come unstuck and it's yep. you might as well just Kind of like high five and walk away. Because they're, they're, they're,
1: there's, there's, I got a number, I got another number on my list. I'm going to try again. Yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah. exactly. laughs>
0: there's, there's just two personality types there's a passive and there's an aggressive. So yep. the passive will go, mate, this sounds amazing. I, I would, I would absolutely love you to send me this information and get back to me in two weeks. And then they just ghost you, right? Like mm-hmm. you never hear from them again. We've all had that. The other type is like exactly what you said. Hey, what do you want? No, no, no. It's not happening. Goodbye. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's pretty much two types or they bring immediate objections. Like, oh, but this, but this, but this. So, you have to kind of figure out the first thing you have to do is like just explore the problems. So, Mm -hmm. when you're sitting in front of someone, you're doing a consult, like we need to figure out what the problems are. If someone says, Hey, listen, I just want to know how much it costs, there's a deflection. All right. So, if you're listening and you want to write this down, it's, Hey, man, I'm more than happy to go through all those details with you. But at this stage, it might be more appropriate if I knew more about you and your dog Mm -hmm. to see if there's a possibility of even being able to help.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Right.
0: So that's called like, it's a new neutral statement, right? Mm -hmm. So to see if there's the possibility of even being able to help, it's like, I don't know I can help. Mm. And in reality,
2: you don't. Mm. But that's also legit too, Matt, because the price might vary dependent on the problem as well. Exactly. So you're right. You need a little bit of background on it. You can't just launch into a price and then they say, well, the dog has this problem and X problem and X problem. you're thinking, "Uh oh, this is more expensive than what I originally listed it at. So automatically you've given them a price, which isn't applicable to the service that you're providing.
0: Exactly. And then so you need those kind of deflections. You also Mm. need to be able to cut people off like really politely mm-hmm. so like people go on tangents and they're unproductive like i don't like people saying things that i think are unproductive either either it's driving something forward or it's not going to happen and so the best like the word everyone's been interrupted where they go anyway right? That, oh, that
3: <laughs> <me so>
0: <laughs> right that makes everyone's but if someone's talking and i go okay that makes sense you mentioned this okay and i bring it back to something that they've said which brings me back on track Which, again, is why you need to have a process where you take people through, bang, 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 and you sort of understand each part of the phase, Mm. you know, so you can really get to the crux of the problem. And then when you do pitch, always pitch the money first. You say the money first.
1: What do you mean by that? What does that sound like? So, you know, when you get an invoice, the money's at the bottom.
0: Yeah. Statistically, those invoices are less likely to be paid. Really? Yeah. Invoice, money at the top. Yeah, right? right. That's like this. That's like the science, and it's because when you say the money at the top, you say like the price and the term. So it's like it's five thousand dollars for twenty-two weeks of training, whatever it is, right? You're then uh, connecting value to what you've said, and they're not thinking in their head, "Oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck." Oh, fuck. This sounds expensive, mm. right? And they're not really listening to the deliverables that you're going to give them, okay. right? So like the
1: value, quote unquote. Mm. So that would look like then saying. The three-week board and train is $5,000. It contains this. And for that, you get this. Right. Okay. Right.
0: So then they're connecting value to the price Mm -hmm. instead of trying to retrospectively
2: try to add that value into the price. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Because you're kind of then looking down and go, oh, there's the price. Exactly. So
0: if if you do send out invoices, again, which you need to be able to collect credit cards, just, you know, you can get credit card over the phone. That's a thing. It does happen very, very often. I hate sending invoices because people take like 10 days to pay them Mm -hmm. and that just grinds me. But anyway, so always have the price at the top. Mm. Um, And there are some great places to get really good templates for quotes. Yeah, Yeah. right. You know what I mean? And there are also some great quoting software where you can then get people, you send them to quote, and you can have all this beautiful stuff. One called Quiller, which is like 90 or $55 a month. And there's Proposify as well. Mm. These are places that like basically create custom websites every time you do a proposal with a payment gateway embedded in where they can pay a deposit. And like a monkey can make
2: these. Yeah, right. Like and they're beautiful. They're like, you know. Yeah, that makes good sense. Even with our business model, we in this industry, what used to happen quite a lot was like I'm talking about the boarding industry, people come in book their holiday, book the dog in, and then they would traditionally leave the dog here and then pick the dog up after, let's say, five to seven days, which is a normal sort of board, and then they pay afterwards. So we changed that whole platform because there's a whole range of problems with that. Oh, it's terrible. It is terrible. Yeah. One of the big problems was people would dump their dogs or they would pick the dog up and say, oh, look, I've just been on holiday, you know, like I've maxed out my credit card, can I pay you later, and et cetera, et cetera. We just said, That Stop. feels like a you problem. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we eliminated that problem. The way we eliminated that was now when you book in, you pay a deposit, when you bring the pet in, you pay like the whole invoice is paid. Hmm. So we tell everybody exactly what it is. So on the screen, we punch all the details in, comes up with a price, we quote them straight away. Your stay is going to be this, these are the services that you elected to pay for, here is the total invoice and they go, cool, all right, and they pay a 40% deposit, then they pay up front and the dog's in. Mm-hmm. That's probably eliminated by about 98%. You know, I know all statistics are made up on the spot, but the huge 87% amount-
0: 87% of them are, yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but a huge amount, a huge amount of problems disappeared overnight just by doing that. So we resolved an issue almost immediately and that's because now people know what they're in for. Rather than being those- in that time where we're chasing money and debt collectors are getting involved and then we're losing clients and it's creating all sorts of headache with administrators being involved and extra money being paid to employees. It's all gone. It pretty much went overnight just by simply changing that model. And people said to us in that time, this will never work. You can't do this. This is not the way. And I said, why? People do what they're told. Right.
0: I mean, look at What's happening now? The Milgram experiment. We just do what they're told. Yeah. That's the way it is.
1: But it's interesting because I remember being a client here before we ever met and I had kept my dogs other places and it was a pay when you pick up sort of arrangement. And then I do remember the first time I ever booked my dogs in here kind of being like, oh, and then just doing it. Yeah, But it was, I was like, oh, okay. Like that is different. Yeah. That is very different
2: to what most people do, right? Like Matt said, we tell people what to do. Like we don't give yeah, them the option it. to do it. We just say, we're not going to get fucked around. Yeah. You know, we will provide a good service. And
1: Even the 40% deposit. I remember, actually, I remember thinking like, oh, this place must be fucking good because like Enough I'd never been here, around. but I was like, I have to secure my spot. Mm. There's no, and this was midweek. It wasn't like it was a... It wasn't like it was a busy period, mm. and I remember having this feeling of like, "Should I better pay this right now? Like, I better, I better get this done because I could lose my spot." So that's a, that's actually a great point because that brings in like scarcity, mm. right? Now,
0: false scarcity is disgusting. Yeah, I hate it. You know, and you go like, "Hey, listen, if you don't sign today, it's gonna be." thousand dollars more it's not no it's not
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know there's you like the tickers you know there's, there's I mean? only five five <laughs> of these left in <laughs> the country but you can imagine right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like but real scarcity is a good thing and like you, you know so like ha- having a way to kind of um, I guess, like hint at scarcity is mm-hmm. a really good because people, nobody wants to be in the nightclub that's empty. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be in the busy nightclub and then complain about how busy it is. Yeah. Right. And so that's a really, it's a really important thing. So like if you do have booking diaries, right, don't allow everyone to see all the times mm-hmm. because if someone can book into 12 different spots every day in your diary, they're like, who's this guy? Yeah. You know, and so only allow like three spots a day or if someone is messaging you and they're going back and forth and say, hey, I can do this time. You go, sorry, could you do this time instead, Mm -hmm. right? And like, it's little things like that that just kind of, they elevate your status. And what we want to do is we don't want to be above someone or below someone, but we want to be like in alignment of status. And that's how we get the most out of somebody. Mm -hmm. There's a great book on that. It's by Oren Claff called Flip the Script. And Oren Claff's like a, he's a guy that like, nerds or like investor, you know, like like engineers who build something brilliant, but can't talk to a human. Right. They hire Oren Klaff to, to, to pitch to like banks, like Swedish banks and those kind of stuff for investment. So like, so that's what he does. And he has a great book called Flip the Script where he kind of goes through his process and what he does and how to like align yourself, mm. even with like the valet, like how to get the best out of your valet, like how to get the best spot by aligning with something that he's into or, you know, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And and so there are some there's some great books on this stuff. That's a really good one. Another one is called Never Split the Difference, which is a negotiation book, mm-hmm. the best non sales sales book I've ever read, which is by a guy called Chris Voss, and that he was an FBI negotiator, yep. and he talks about basically like elements of persuasion and how your voice really controls how people think. And if you're a scatterbrain and you're someone who talks really fast, you people can't think. Mm. And so like you need people to think through processes and sales. So you have to speak slowly and you have to have like negative space in between what you say and you have to give them time to respond. And a silence is, is okay. Like mm-hmm. it's okay when people don't talk, because if you pitch somebody and you're like, okay, so, you know, we're going to do a board and train, it's going to be, you know, 3000 bucks for this long. And we're going to do this, 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 and this, like, would that be appropriate or yeah. how would you like to proceed? That's how I do all my pitches, right? Would that be appropriate? How would you like to proceed? And I do, so I'll go back, I'll do price term, feature, benefit, problem it solves. That's all I do, right? So a feature is like a deliverable. A benefit is why you do it, and the problem it solves is specific to how it relates to them. Mm, Okay. Right. So I would go, okay, we're gonna do a board and train. It's gonna be 5,000 bucks. It's gonna happen for six weeks. And then the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna teach your dog like how to like come every time, like a perfect recall. The reason why we do that is for safety reasons, because your dog keeps running out of your house. Mm-hmm. There's a road out there. That's why we're going to do it. Mm. Right. Does that make sense? It yeah. does. Right. And then I always say, does that make sense? So, so that's called a temp check. So you're like, okay, are you, are you on board with me? Yes. Okay, yeah. cool.
1: You know, I've picked that up from you. I I constantly in my lessons that I'm teaching people say, does that make sense? And I had one guy call me out and he goes, you tell me, <laughs> <Because> <laughs> you're the one teaching it. I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's just a technique for seeing whether you're still going. I was yeah. like, I know it makes sense. <laughs> I'm fully aware. Oh, you, sh- you shrill guy. You're yeah. the eighth person I've taught this to today. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: So yeah, so we do that. And then at the end of it, I'll go, does that, does that make sense? Like, are you, are you happy with that structure? Mm-hmm. And they go, yes. And then you go, okay. Does that feel like it can be the answer for you? They say yes. Cause they'll always say yes but you have to immediately cut them off. Don't let them say anything else, but yes, because someone's going to go, yeah, but you can't let that but come out. You go, okay, but why? And you make them defend a position, right? So if Pat tells me, yes, like this will work, I go, okay, why? Like, can you, like, you know, a little bit of skepticism. What like, What is it that you think is kind of like the piece that is sort of the answer for you? They tell you and you go, okay, that makes sense, right? If you've defended a position, people don't like contradicting themselves, mm-hmm. right? So you make them go through and the whole time, like when you problems explained, you wanna get the problem, you wanna get the impact of the problem, the importance of changing it, and what happens if you don't, mm-hmm. right? Then when you come through positive things, go, okay, why would that be good if we were able to achieve that? Okay, perfect. Can you just explain why in a bit more detail? Okay, that all makes sense. And then they constantly defend positions. And then when someone is constantly doing that at the end, like there's only one logical way to proceed. And if they're not gonna proceed, like it makes no sense to even them. Mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of how you sell people pretty consistently. And it's a really positive process. And I have people after I sell them, they call me like a day later, like, thank you. That was a great, that was a really enjoyable call. I was like, yeah, cool, man. it was good for me too, <laughs> right? You know, like, and so you take them through that process and then at the end of it, you just kind of walk them through the process of how you start. And that's how you get a really good sale that doesn't feel salesy Mm -hmm. because it's just a conversation with someone about exploring their problems. And then the logical solution is the solution that you present at the end. And because they feel truly heard, it's not a sales pitch. It's like a trusted advisor Mm -hmm. telling them, how they should move forward.
1: That's an interesting term. I think trusted advisor is definitely something that people in this industry have to focus on is because you're giving people a family member, essentially, like especially if you're going to do a board and train, you're handing over Mm. a loved member of the family. Mm. Um, You have to have that connection and feel trusted and not feel like this is a slimy Like, that's what you don't ever want to leave your dog with someone you're like, oh, that dude just hustled me into that. Like, the long-term feeling of trust is important rather than the short-term to get the sale. Well, there's a statistic, and I'm I'm not making it up on the spot, but
0: 79% of customer satisfaction five years after is based on the initial sale. Yeah, right. Right? So- like your referrals, right? And I'll go into referrals in a minute because one out of every three clients you get should give you a referral, mm-hmm. right? If you if you do it properly. Um, and so that initial sales conversation is extremely important. And it really like it imprints how they feel about you and your business mm-hmm. and and then how much they're usually using forward and how they'll talk about you. And so taking them through a process and also like, like you said before, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there that are just really good at talking to people And if you're good at what you do, you have a moral obligation to take the client journey and the sales process seriously because it's the only way that you're going to be able to outshine those people. Mm -hmm. And so if you're good at what you do and you generally think that, like take that part seriously, like take the business side seriously because you can be awesome. But if your administration is terrible, I'm never coming back. Mm -hmm. You can do an amazing job with my dog. But if like the billing is ruined, then like it immediately ruins it. So you have to really map out that client journey and go like, okay, like what are all the touch points that I wanna have and how can I make this a wow experience from the moment they talk to me the first time to like six months later, mm-hmm. you know? And if someone's doing a board and training and like, and it's an expensive thing, like I send gifts out, right? My high-end clients, I send them personalized Mont Blancs, mm-hmm. right? Now that they're paying a lot of money, so like I can do that. But you know, I also have like from my other clients, I send them, there's a book called Giftology, Right? It's how to buy gifts for your clients.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. Right? They also
0: have a service. It's like $4,000 a year and they'll do it for you. You got to pay for the book. You got to pay for the stuff as well. But it's like, you know, never send them Birthday gifts, never send them anniversary gifts, send them random gifts. Okay. An unexpected gift at an unexpected time. Exactly. Mm. Which is basically like you just read the book.
2: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it's stuff that you can use every day. To be honest, we've had consultants come in and work with us. I mean, some of the stuff that you're telling me is the first time I've heard it, which is great. You know, this is why I'm eating it all up because I love what you're saying. It's resonating really well with me. I think for the first time that I found a game changer in what I was doing, because You know, when Pat started talking about the initial stages of doing business, I was terrible at it. I just didn't know how to sell to clients. And the thing that changed it for me was the book, The E-Myth Revised. It's a good book. Yeah, it's a good book. I don't know how – it's it's still relevant, but the, the world has changed. It's moved on since that time. But the foundations of the book would still be relevant for people to understand how not to get trapped inside your business because eventually you have to work on it and not just in it all the time. And that was what changed it for me when I realized I'm going to kill myself doing this job because I'm just, I'm working to a point where my fingers and hands are sore. I'm tired all the time. I'm too tired to talk to people. I'm too tired to feel excited and passionate about what I'm doing because I'm working inside the business and not on the business. And it was fucking killing me. You know, by the time I got to talk to people, I was a wreck. Mm. I was just emotionally and physically exhausted. So what they were getting was the dead side of me the side of me that just wanted to curl up and and go to sleep. So when I realized I need to really change that within myself to actually migrate out of that space, it actually changed my business platform as well, where I was able to start working with bringing people on and adding and bolt-ons to the business and everything. And that was a real significant change in what we were doing. And it's the same thing with what we're doing here, is that we don't want our people so washed out at the end of the day that they can't speak to people anymore. It's a terrible trap to get involved in.
0: Yeah, I think like I'll, I'll tell I'll tell a story. Um, the first time I ever got business coaching was when I opened the gym in Bondi. Right, mm-hmm. I was 90k in debt with a le- with an 18 percent interest rate. When wow. I, when I- when wow. I when I finished that little jobby, right? Yeah, yeah. Um because it was just a, it's an expensive business to start, right? Mm. You know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in equipment and you know, the rent was eleven and a half thousand a month for this tiny little shit box in Bondi. And uh,
1: like man, we, we with know, a demo clause on that building too, right? So you yeah, you, you knew that was going in oh, five. Was going, years it's or gone it now. Yeah.
0: You know, it's now a big block of units. I'd done everything. Like I'd walked the street in a gorilla suit, right? Like I'd done everything I could possibly think of and I sucked at sales and I sucked at marketing. <laughs> yeah. Right?
2: But I was like... <laughs> I was a good... Oh, I just realized you're serious. Yeah. You- <laughs> oh, you've, you've actually done walked in...
0: in 100%. Okay. With the billboard pointing to the gym. I had, a, I had a pair of calipers in my hand offering free body fat assessments in a fucking gorilla suit while <laughs> I'm on
3: junction. Like, dude, I've done it.
0: If I,
2: someone hit you in the face with a sign, you could it, have been Joker. I, I have done
0: it, right? You name it. I was like, I got to get out there. I need wow. to make some fucking money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, I saw a Facebook ad for a dude who was like, yeah, you can make... You can do 100 leads a month in your fitness business. And I was like, bull... Fucking shit, but I'll go anyway. And I'm driving there. It was like 9 p.m. at night seminar. And he was like, Yeah, it's eight grand. It's eight weeks. I'll teach you this. And I was like, Okay. Like, yeah, i was like <laughs> well, I got nothing it, to lose. If you're going to eat shit, don't nibble. Yeah. You know, right? And I was like, <laughs> What's another 8K
3: on this
2: giant, <laughs> on this, <laughs> this giant insurmountable I, love, I, love,
0: yeah. I
2: love that saying. Uh, that's great. Yeah. I'm going to use that one. And,
0: and like, so I just sat back and I was like, Yeah, fuck it. I didn't ask my wife, didn't mm. ask my business partner. I was like, whatever. Here's a credit card. You can put a grand on that, and I'll just I'll figure the rest out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. And uh, so yeah. And then like over the next three days, I, I binged the whole course. Right? It was eight week course. I said, dude, I'm like, this is this is hard. I do. need this now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was like, okay, I'll help you out. And then I ended up like making 65 sales at 200 bucks. Yeah. In the next like sort of three weeks and paying the rent bill and getting everything on track. And that was what kind of like propelled everything forward. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Like if I can figure out how to get people in front of me and then figure out how to sell them somewhat consistently, like I can actually make a business. Yeah. I was like, that's how you make business. And because we were good at training people, like I was, I didn't feel like I was selling anything gross. Right. And if you're selling gross stuff, you should feel gross. Right. like, don't sell gross stuff. Mm. But if you're selling good shit, be happy about it. Yeah. Like you shouldn't- be providing a service. You're yeah. giving people what they want. Don't be a fucking martyr yeah. and go like, no, 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 I don't, I don't do that. It's like, well, then you're shit. Because like there are a lot of people out there who can benefit from your product or service. And because you're too much of a hero to like actually focus on something that you're bad at, then you're not going to allow them to have that. And they're going to go with some garbage guy who's like done, I don't even know. Is it like a certification for being a dog trainer?
1: Yeah. Uh, that's a, So it's a, it's a problem because there is, but you don't have to do it. In all honesty- I have not done it, (laughs) (laughs) right? Uh, And worldwide, it's different everywhere you go. But Australia is actually one of the – probably the only place we know of that actually has a proper government-accredited dog trainer certification, Mm. Glenn Teachers. But yeah, all around the world. And that, that is the issue. And that's kind of the main thing I was hoping people would get out of you know, hearing you speak is that idea that so many people think selling is so gross and pushing your business is like they don't enjoy doing it, but then you're outperformed by the guy who has no idea what they're doing. And if you really are in this for the betterment of the dogs that you will train, then you need those dogs to be coming to you, right? Mm. Like you need to- exactly.
0: And so like, you know, I'm a big proponent of coaches and getting a business coach and all that kind of stuff, but you don't need to do that. All you need to really do is like have a plan and then like really like think about your business, think about what it is you actually want to provide and then figure that out and and go deep into that. Mm-hmm. Like there's no point, like your business is shaped by the people that you say no to and in the beginning, just say yes to everything and figure it out. But then as you start to get kind of more and more and more, I guess, comfortable both financially and within what you do, you really need to start saying no to things. And I learned that the hard way by like just being open to all opportunities. And I was like, yeah,
1: yeah, it sounds good,
0: you know? And then like, you know, you get burned once or twice and then you get that feeling. You're like, oh, I don't know if I should do that. Yeah. And then you got to start listening to that.
1: Yeah. Well, Even Bart has a saying that he tells everybody on the schools is in the beginning, you must take the The stinky stinky deals. deals.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) You know,
1: get experience, um, you know,
0: and I think that's another thing. Like don't, don't wait to get good at this stuff. Like you have to do it now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you don't, like there are just so many free resources. There's a great book called Socratic Selling, Mm -hmm. right? And it's basically based off like Socrates and Jesus Mm. are the two most influential people ever to live, right? In terms of like how their ability to persuade, second to none, right? Maybe Tony Robbins is up there as well. So we can can have the Holy Trinity if we want. (laughs) But like- (laughs) Tony Robbins and Jesus just standing there. I mean, Tony Robbins is a billionaire. Yeah. You know? He's got a seven-year wait list to work with him. Barack Obama's on it. Wow. You know, it's a million dollars up front, plus 50% of the revenue that he helps you produce. You wow. Know what I mean? So he can persuade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, like that's Socratic selling. It's all based on questions. And so Socrates was so powerful. And so was Jesus and all this kind of stuff, because they were able to ask really skilled questions that made people think, oh, I'd never thought like that before. Mm-hmm. And if you get someone to say, oh, I've never thought like that before, then you've got them because you've now provided them insight that they don't have. Mm-hmm. And people buy coaching and consultants and dog trainers, because you have an insight they don't have. That's mm-hmm. right, yeah. And so you have to be able to, if you tell them that, it's garbage. Like everything you say out of your mouth, the words that come out of your face are basically meaningless, mm-hmm. right? But the questions that you ask allow them to say things that are super powerful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When someone doesn't realize the impact a shitty dog is having on their family, like they know it's bad, But then they go through a series of questions and they go, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize how much impact it had in our day to day. Mm. Like if you have a dog that is like aggressive and you can't have friends over and they hate your neighbors and they're just a nightmare, you don't really trust them around your kids and all kinds of stuff, right? Like that, that will shape the way you live your life, Mm. like hands down.
1: Totally. And, And what's interesting you say about that is like aggressive dogs the situation gets worse and worse. Like usually the aggressive trigger remains the same, but the precursors to that can be identified quicker by the dog. So people's, what happens is it's progressive. You mm. you get people that have a dog like, Oh, he doesn't want like people coming over. That's a bit of an issue to then two years later, it's like, turn your fucking engine off, like glide down my street. <laughs> I need you to coast, put it in neutral and roll down my street. You're yeah. upsetting the dog. Yeah. Right. And it's actually the same problem. What to me triggers... with your neck up and your palms open. <laughs> yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> submit, submit. Yeah. And so, and because it progresses like that, it doesn't start there. People forget like, shit, I had a normal life once and I've lived a normal life with this dog at some point.
3: Mm. Yeah.
0: And you can, you can get that out of someone really easily by questions, mm. you know? And so the flow that I always do is like, okay, well, like what's the problem how long has that been going on for mm. what if anything have you done to fix it like how did that work out what impact is that problem having and how long has that been going on for like how long is the impact going yeah mm-hmm. and then like you say like how is that impacting you and your family and they'll go yeah and you just go in what way and they will word vomit yeah. Like they will explode because, like, they've basically been waiting for an opportunity to, like, think.
2: Yeah, it's therapy. Through. Yeah, mm.
0: exactly. It's a very cathartic. Yeah. And, like, people cry. Yeah. Like when you ask them yeah, those questions, people cry. And yeah. that's a, it's not like a gross, sad cry. It's a very cathartic, like, oh, this it, guy it's gets a release. it. Yeah. yeah, And like, that's when you know, like, I mean, criers are buyers. That's a really bad <laughs> saying, but
2: it, it is a,
1: it is a saying, right? Mm. And so- um, You would get a lot of that similar, like, again, I think fitness industry and dog training industry really line up because you do, it's a very emotional topic, right? Mm, like yeah. health and, and people's pets is yeah. something. I get a lot of criers- not even when you're selling them stuff, just like when you show them there's a path out. Oh, you get yeah. like that release cry, mm, right? Like, huge. oh, fuck, I thought you were coming here to tell me to put the dog down. You yeah. know what I mean? You go, no, we can fix this in six weeks. Like, it'll be fine if you follow these steps. And then you get there like,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, oh, I've been hanging on to this. And like, I was emotionally prepared. Yeah, but they were emotionally prepared to put their dog down. They thought that's what you were coming to tell them. You go, mm. no, there's a path out of this.
0: Boom, they collapse. And that's why it's important to- you have to stick to your guns and you have to only sell the product that you believe that person is was in their best interest mm. like if you like don't don't be a pussy and drop sale to something that's cheaper because the person's like nah it's like you don't want a part of that yeah you need to be like no no, no this is this is what has to happen like and if you're not willing to do that that's totally fine and yep. i totally respect the decision but i'm not willing to like sacrifice that dog and like the family and Kind of have my name against something that's just not going to work yeah agree so like i'm more than happy to refer you out to someone who might be more within your price range and budget but if if you want we can just kind of talk through it and you know offer a payment plan or something like that do you know what i mean be like okay we can do it over three payments would that would that make it easier for you
2: that's a really good point there was a time where i was watching one of my managers talking to somebody on the phone and it was kind of like they were apologizing for the price that we were providing and the phone call ended and I said, look, we really have to think about how that conversation went because there were so many things that went really badly in our favor. And she kind of looked at me and said, well, what did I do wrong? I said, well, first of all, you're grimacing when you're giving them the price. You know, it was like you're apologizing up front. I said, we're providing a premium service to them. We don't apologize for the price that we give people. That's the price. And I said, if they don't want to take it, like at the end of the day, if they really, really want to go elsewhere. That's on them. And then they can get the service that they want to provide for. But I said, you, you look like somebody was pinching you while you were giving them the price. And she said, Oh yeah, but you know, like to me, that's expensive. And I said, but not to them. They're from the Eastern suburbs of Sydney. Why would that price be expensive to them? They're, they're booking like a $10,000 holiday for, for a week. Why would that price be expensive to them? I assumptions said
0: assumptions kill a lot of deals.
2: Yeah. Like if you yeah, assume exactly.
0: something, this is the way I look at it. If, I don't assume anything when I'm talking to somebody. And I've really like, even in my personal life, I've been working on this quite hard because like when you like espouse a motivation on somebody, right? You know, you see someone you don't like, like we get political, but like Trump and the guy could cure cancer. And some people are like, well, oh, he just wants to ruin the world with more people. You know what I mean? Like, and then you can go the other way. You know what I mean? And and so like espousing a motivation on somebody is never productive because mm. you really don't know what the hell they were thinking, right? And so when you're selling Like you just have to be one, you have to be happy with your price. You have to like, you have to be proud of it. Your body language plays a huge role in how your tone comes out. Yeah. Like if you're smiling, they can hear your smile. If you're frowning, they can hear your frown. If you're hesitating, that immediately builds like a lack of confidence Mm -hmm. and people don't like, if you want to sell something, you have to be 150% confident to bring them up from the 50% they're at Mm. to a hundred. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so like you really need to deliver your pricing quite powerfully and just assuming that they can't do something like, then they'll, they'll take that and run with it. You know? What's your thoughts on pricing being on the website? I think for certain things, it's totally fine. I think for, to be honest, I don't like it.
1: Yeah. So like I have had mixed advice and I've tried different things, but I, I just found that I was constantly, when I didn't have prices on my website for in-home behavior stuff, I just was getting a lot of people that were horrified to find out how much it was. And and I was a very normal price range sort of guy. I wasn't charging crazy, but I wasn't cheap either comparatively. And I just found when I then put the, I got sick of it and just put the prices on there. And then I found that by the time someone got in contact with me, they were qualified at least, like they knew at least what they were up for. Right? Which is the perfect mentality. Yeah. So it's
0: how much abundance do you have? Yeah, that's a, yeah. Right, So if you're a new guy, again, you got to take the shit deals, right? You have to say yes. So you have to take away all the barriers until you don't. Yeah. Right. So like for me, everyone knows I'm super expensive. Mm -hmm. Right. I do have some cheap stuff. I have sales training, group sales training, 50 bucks a week. Right. People can just hop into that. And I'm sure I'll plug that later on in this podcast. (laughs) um, (laughs) You know, but like. Everyone knows my sales coaching is expensive. Like it's $10,000 for six sessions, Mm -hmm. right? If you want to do one-on-one sales coaching, but like there's a huge ROI attached to sales coaching. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Same with like sales systemization stuff. So like there's an implication of expense and that's like the more sophisticated the marketplace, the more upfront you can be with your pricing, Mm -hmm. right? In my opinion, not that I know that much, but I would say the dog training clientele would be an unsophisticated marketplace because like it's... I don't think that many people know how much it costs.
1: Same yeah, so that's what you mean by unsophisticated marketplace in that like yeah. people don't actually know what they're paying for. People don't
0: if, know what a personal trainer
1: costs. Yeah. They just think a gym costs
0: $10 a week. And then yeah. you go to a personal trainer and you say it's 80 bucks a session, their heads explode, right? So you have to... You really, if you want to sell that person, you have to really dig deep into the problems. There's a cost of an action there. Mm-hmm. Once you sort of uncover the cost of an action, then it, it shouldn't matter what the cost is. Mm-hmm. And then there might be some logistical things we need to work out to get over it. But generally speaking, people spend 50 to 60 bucks a week on coffee. Yeah. Right. So there are plenty of ways in which we can find money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. There's wastage that people will spend without thinking on it. But to them, it was important. They yeah. needed to do well, it. How much did your phone cost? Yeah, exactly. Two grand. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And most people won't even use half the features that are available on exactly. it. Exactly. So that's whenever someone says, oh,
0: they just couldn't afford it. I go, really? Were they talking to you on a rotary phone?
3: <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know? i like, or did you just not do your job? Now, sometimes people just can't afford things, which is fine, right? But generally speaking, if something's important, they figure it out. mmm You know, and so, which is where a sales process comes in because you have to uncover how important it is because Mm -hmm. people fight tooth and nail to like maintain the status quo. And so, it's our jobs as business owners, as salespeople, as consultants to allow them to get out of their own way to solve the problem because every decision they make has caused them to be in the position that they're in. Mm -hmm. Right. Like everyone's responsible for their own clout. You know what I mean? So, if there's a dog owner who has a terrible dog, they're a terrible dog owner. You're Right. And so we can't allow their decision making paradigm to like allow that to keep going uh-huh. because they can't be trusted. If they could, they wouldn't have a shit dog. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, like, take that away from them and walk them through a process where it makes sense to them to move forward because, like, it just won't otherwise. Like, yeah. a really fat person, if someone's really overweight, they're not going to make a good decision around health and fitness. How can yeah. they? They're like biologically programmed to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Clearly it's in front of you. And so like, we can't let them make that decision. We have to like, it has to make sense in their little worldview in order to go, oh, okay. I have to do that now.
1: Yeah. That's the tricky process though, right? Like bringing that around, especially in dogs where you say like skirting that issue of you created this. Well, maybe they didn't, maybe they got a rescue or whatever, right? Maybe it's a brand new dog, but overwhelmingly, yeah, overwhelmingly is like your decisions have created this dog and, and you are going to need an expert to pull you out of this because you, you're on the path that needs altering. I think the truth is pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I don't think there's
0: any, I think the presentation is everything. Yeah. You know, you can tell someone they're an asshole or you can- you can present it in a way that makes them think they're an asshole, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that is a skill, but essentially like if, as long as you have good intent, I think things come off quite well. Sure. Sure. You know? And so you're like, okay, well like what have you done to fix this problem? Like
1: what have you tried? Nothing. Can, can I ask you why?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And they go, how do you go handling the objection of like, I've been to two other trainers. I've wasted all this money what's the difference between you and them? Cause that's one that comes up, especially like most of our, tra- our listeners are what we call balance trainers. And so often people, by the time they come to the balance trainer, they've probably been to a bunch of positive only guys. Well, yeah. And they've maybe blown several thousand dollars, right. It, or, or it might even be that they've been to a all compulsive trainer or whatever, but it's not uncommon, especially for me, people like me and Glenn to get people who have like, no, I've, I've seen, like done the circuit. Yeah, I've, I've done three other trainers and my mm-hmm. dog's no better or he's worse. You're similarly priced because most of the people that make dogs worse are way more expensive. Yeah. Uh, what's the difference between you and them? What's, what's a tactic I for that? I think what
0: you want to do is focus on what they think went well with the approach, right? You never, ever, ever want to say anything bad about a competitor.
1: Of course. It yeah. immediately
0: destroys your credibility. Yeah. So like I've sold plenty of people into into business coaching programs who are like midway through a very expensive business coaching program, Mm -hmm. right? Who had nothing but good things to say. Generally speaking, even if something's not working, they will have good things to say about it. Mm -hmm. And so you want to get those good things out of them. So I go, okay, man, like what have you done, if anything, to kind of of do this? Oh, I've been with this, this, and this. And they go, okay, well, like did, 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 did you like that process? And they go, yes or no. It doesn't matter either way. If they say yes, you'd be like, okay, well, what did you like about it? and I go is there anything else and I go okay well it sounds like it went okay for you I'm not going to say well but is there anything you would have changed about that process or those outcomes if you could
3: mm-hmm.
0: right and then they'll they'll just tell you everything and if they say they don't like it then you just go okay what is it that you didn't like about it okay and and why was and like what did you mean by that specifically and sort of take out some key points and break them down mm-hmm. and go okay so like moving forward, just to make sure that what we do might actually work, like like what is your ideal criteria in sort of a coach or like a dog trainer that that you actually think would would help you kind of move forward and and sort of finalize these problems? And then they'll just tell you what the criteria is Mm. and then go, okay, that makes sense. And then you base everything around what they they think they need. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't matter if what they think they need is right or wrong because we can mold that as we go, mm-hmm. right? But we have to give an element of what they need versus what they want, right? Because you know, okay, well, that's stupid, right? Like they don't actually need that, you know? They don't need a special feeder or whatever it is they say they need. You're like, yeah, okay, yeah. that makes sense. And you can kind of break down and turn what they say into a principle, and then you can start to mold it into what you want it to be, mm-hmm. you know? But like really be open to them and ask them about what they liked, what they didn't like, what they would have changed if they could, and then, really explore their problems. And because like that, that objection isn't ever going to go away. Mm. You know what I mean? But they have to feel like they, they're understood. Mm. And if they feel like they're understood, because those guys wouldn't have done that. I guarantee it. Like, yeah. They would not have taken them through that process and just really understand and go, okay, man, well, I think what I do might actually work for you. Do you like, do you think it'd be appropriate if I could take you through how I think we can solve some of these problems? Yep. Um, and 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 how I think we can really get a good start on this this time. And he's going to go, Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they're asking permission and you've you've already excised all the problems and you've figured out what was good about their last experience, what was bad about it, what they would have changed and like, Moved forward. Yeah. And I
1: think there's a lot of value, like you said, in never sort of shit mouthing competitors in that sales process. I've had people come to me and ask questions, having been to someone else I know is atrocious and found myself saying, (laughs) Let let me spell their name for you. Uh, But found myself saying, Oh, that's great. Like that would have laid us a great foundation from which we can now build on. Like that's actually probably set us up. We just need to add these extra pieces that I can provide you that maybe they didn't, right? If you ship mouth their competitor, you're essentially. Talking about their judgment, mm-hmm. sure, okay, right, which right. is which is not good,
0: right? right? So if if you say like, oh yeah, you made a shitty choice, yeah, right. they're gonna be like, well, maybe I'm gonna make a shitty choice again. Uh huh. So all you're gonna that's do is point. is perpetuate the like, mm. think about it. They're gonna yeah, be like, okay, I right. just really need to think about this, yep. and then they just end up in like a paralysis analysis where they're constantly looking for the perfect trainer, uh-huh. of which there is none. Yeah, yeah. Right, because no one's gonna tick every box. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's
1: interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah, you can't. You sort of you have to let.
0: Like there's called a thing called a buy, like a buyer's pocket, right? If someone's super arrogant, you have to smack them down. And if someone's really unconfident, like if that you can just tell, like they're broken, they're very difficult to make buy, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't trust their own judgment, mm-hmm. and so you have to kind of build them up with like, oh, you've done some, you've done some great things with your dog. Like let me just tell you about some of the great foundations. Like this is an excellent dog. There's just some things that we need to fix, but all in all, like you've done an awesome job. Like well done. You should be applauded for. Like taking in this rescue or, you know, raising this puppy or whatever. Like you're doing a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So build them up. And if someone's like, Yeah, bro, I fucking listen to the Canine Paradigm podcast. So I'm pretty all over it. You know what I mean? You got <laughs> you know, so it's like, okay, well, you know, you're a dog trainer, you know what I mean? You listen to a podcast and you've read a few things on the internet. Mm. You know I mean, that's that's not gonna, you know, do it for you. And so, you know, sort of take them down and slowly but surely kind of ask them questions to whittle away some of their confidence, to put them in a pocket of where they feel like they know enough to where they can buy, but they don't know too much to where they don't need you.
2: Okay. So Matt, just in general, in a lot of sales conferences or consultancy sessions that we've done, most of the message is always be closing. A lot of people have finished with that. You know, well, not finished with that. They, that's been somewhere in their, in their setup, always be closing, ABCs. When do you know when not to do that? Like you've just talked about two different paradigms of people, like an arrogant person and a, and a broken person. When do you, as a salesperson or somebody in a company, realize I'm just with somebody that I'm I'm completely wasting my time with?
0: So that always be closing stuff is definitely like the sort of older school style mm. of selling. And like the sort of new areas more like selling as service. Yep. Right. Like if you want to put like a little bit of a catchphrase on it, where it's like if you can't help that person, don't sell them. Yep. If you can, do it. Mm-hmm. Like now there are people who are just always gonna be like, oh, I need to think about it. And you can't sell everybody, right? There's like ten percent of people who you will never buy, ever, and there's like ten percent of people who will always buy. Yep. You know? Like that's me. Like, so so hey what are man, the, what buy are
2: this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That sounds good. So what are the hallmark things that you would say to people? These are people that you probably need to finish the session with them, like end the conversation early.
0: I think it's a vibe thing. Yeah. You know I mean, like if one, if they're like, I like questions. I hate being questioned. Mm-hmm. Like it's a real thing. I really don't like it. So the questions are really positive, but like being questioned is like hmm, you you have an agenda. Yep. Right. So if the person has an agenda and you get a bad vibe, I would just go, "Hey man, like you know, I don't think this thing's going to work out, but I wish you all the best, and I'll happily refer you out and refer them to someone you don't like." Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, that's that's sort of my go-to.
1: Robbie, that's something I do want to come back to is referral networks and that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: get that in a second, but yeah, and so like it's just a vibe thing. Like if you think you can generally help someone, I think you have an obligation to mm. to present an argument that makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, to me, it's annoying. Like if I know I can help somebody, but they just have like some sort of mental block where they can't get out of their own way, yep. it frustrates the living shit out of me. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, man, if I'd have just done something different or changed the way they think, like, you know, there's a great saying where it's like, if you're standing on the beach, right? Then you the horizon's 15 miles away. But if you want to be able to see further, you have to start acting like the guy who's on the mountain. Make decisions, the same decisions that guy made because then you'll be able to get up there and then you can see much further, mm. right? So like your decision-making process needs to sort of equate with where you want to be, not where you are, because you're. otherwise you're just going to constantly make decisions based off where you are and you just spin your wheels,
1: mm.
3: right? Yeah, and that's so, sage advice. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah, I'm a just, very I'm Just a very so you man.
1: remember, the horizon's actually 17 nautical miles away. Okay. Yeah. Oh, just, just...
3: Well, nautical miles slightly <laughs> longer than normal. Just... So.
1: Uh, just that's a little army He's fact accused. that you should know, my friends. I, w- I will not allow that slip at this table <laughs> 15 miles. I don't know if you know, but I was a special force. Sniper <laughs> and, um. Yeah, but how many over-the-horizon PLFs did you do? And every time you were at least 17 nautical miles out. That's very true. That's go. very true. A good TLA, mate. A good
0: three-letter acronym. <laughs> Never goes astray. We were out camping. There was some serious TLAs getting thrown around. Yeah. Yeah, so referral networks. So I think I said before, one out of every three people that you should sell should give you a referral. Yeah. So you have to have a process, right? Processes is everything. Even if you're garbage at sales, if you have a good process, like you'll sell heaps of people because like it's just a path of least resistance, right? Mm-hmm. The old school like double bind sale is like Visa or MasterCard. Do you want to do the six month or the three month? Mm-hmm. Right now, that's not how I sell. But like in the beginning, like, and for all the people listening, like sell that way. Okay. For sure. Like we have two options. Do you want to do the in-person six week or the in-person nine week? Which one, which one works better for you? Uh, The probably the, the the six week. Okay. Would you like to pay up front? Like to pay over two payments. Oh, two payments is good. All right, cool. Do you want to use Visa or MasterCard? Which way works better? Right. Like it's a path of least resistance, mm-hmm. right? It's an old school selling technique. But like for beginner salespeople, it's way easier than the way that I do it. You know, like, so it's a good sort of starting. And in my closing code, $50 a week program, (laughs) the the, link will be in the show notes. I explain both ways, right? But yeah, so with referrals, like, again, have a process. So you have to be realistic about how good your delivery is. Uh That's the key to referrals. If you're not that good, right, you need to ask for referrals very quickly. If you're really good, you can stand it out. Okay. Because like people ride highs, like once they're sold into something, they're all excited. There's gonna be there's gonna be an outcome, mm. do you know what I mean? And if you have a really great process for like, you know, the moment you sign someone, they get like a welcome email from there, they get like, you know, a little downloadable, they get sent something, you know, like you can sort of create your little client journey that creates a wow factor. Mm-hmm. And the better you are at that, like the longer you can push out because like people have really experienced it, and then you have a process where you give them a call, mm-hmm. right? And the call is like, you know, hey, Pat, I just really want to say I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be able to help you. I was just wondering if you have like two or three minutes where I can just kind of ask, like, where do you think I've kind of been able to help you the most? right? Like, what problem have we solved for you? And they're like, oh, this, this, and this. And I'm like, okay, cool. And like, why was that problem important? And They, they tell you. And then you go, do, do you think you know anyone else who's having that same problem? They're like, yeah. And you go, okay. Well, how, like, how do you think I would best approach that person? And then it kind of becomes their idea, right? Mm. Right? And then you ask them, and I'll send you the script so you can, if you want, it, you can put it in the show notes or whatever. And it's like, okay. Well, oh, awesome. So, do you think it'd be appropriate if I was able to, if I was able to contact that person? They're like, yeah, sure. Like, do you think you should talk to them first? You know what I mean? Just to make sure that like they know I'm calling. Oh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Hey, if you don't mind, like, how are you gonna ask them? And they're going to tell you how they're going to say, it, which is going to be garbage, right? Because they're not salespeople, so they're going to talk about how amazing you are. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gotten a referral, like on DM or something, and the person's like, "Hey, this is Pat. He's the greatest dog trainer in the world, and he's fixed this and this and this and this," and the person just doesn't ever reply. Yeah, yeah. It's because they've they've just gone too hard in the pain with solutions. Yeah. Whereas, like, you go, "Hey, do you mind if I make a suggestion?" And I teach people how to give me referrals. Okay. Right. So, like, when I sign up a sales coaching client. The second scripting session I do, I teach them how to get a referral by asking for a referral. Okay. Right? And I get it and I go, hey, by the way, that's how you get a referral. And then I've, re- re- I've recorded that and they have it for prosperity, right? And so I go, okay, well, do you mind if I make a suggestion? Do you, instead of talking about all the ways that I've helped, do you mind just talking about the problem that I've solved? And about how that problem was affecting you and how now it's better. And they go, oh yeah, sweet. And then they're going to go, hey, this is Pat. I had a, you know, my dog was really, really aggressive and, and he's really helped my family deal with that. And now we can have friends over. Mm-hmm. That's a powerful referral. Mm-hmm.
1: That person's like, that's intriguing to me because yep. I have a shit dog that's super aggressive. Do you guide that same process for like online reviews? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm just I'm thinking about- that would be the same thing because everybody says like, hey, if, like we say, and so if you, if you like what you hear, like, rate, share, subscribe, but if we then said, like, hey, if you wouldn't mind telling people exactly what listening to the show helped you with specifically, right? So oh. that's more what you're talking about. Like, instead of just saying, hint, hint. give us a review, <laughs> Yeah. if you guys who were listening <laughs> found this episode helpful, please – write your review explaining how the episode with Matt Boone talking about sales process was helpful for you, mm. right? Yeah. Like you talk about any to that particular level.
0: problem, like, hey, I never knew how to get referrals. Now I know how to get referrals. Mm-hmm. Those like specificity, because again, there's no point talking to everybody in generality, speak to a specific subsect of people very passionately about a problem they have. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's marketing 101, right? And so with sales is the same thing. And so you have a process behind it. You know, once you've taken people through, you have referrals, and then I have follow-up sequences to talk to people three months, six months, 12 months, 18 months, right? And I have that same process for people who don't buy, mm-hmm. right? People who don't buy doesn't mean they won't buy later. Mm-hmm. But if you sell them correctly and you have a good follow-up process, like if you've spoken to 150 people, like you have enough money to make a million dollars. There's enough people there to make a million dollars, hundred percent, right? And that's because like their networks and their networks, and if you learn how to leverage networks, and if you learn how to create advocates for yourself, um, like we have a friend, Alex, and he came to me for sales coaching and it wasn't sales coaching. It was like, adv- like advocate creating,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? And he did that and he signed like a $2 million contract at Westfield,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? Simply from learning how to network and create an advocate. And it's a similar process to getting a referral and selling someone. You talk to them about their problems and then like that person then sees you as an advisor because they know, they un- they know you understand.
2: Mm-hmm. This is a great... Thing, Matt, because you're a normal guy that's failed in uh, in some things that you've done, I and you've learned.
1: Anything <laughs> <laughs> he says while wearing the gorilla suit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but the th- yeah, well, the thing is, is that like you, you know, like you have had difficulties in your own businesses and things that you've done, but you've managed to just go ahead and learn all this yourself. The great thing about this is it's very accessible to a lot of other people to be able to replicate what you're doing and even reach out to you and get coaching from you or somebody else, but mainly you, if they, if they could possibly do that sort of thing. That would be the best idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're advocating you because I mean, you know, you clearly know what you're talking about. You've come from a position where, you know, things weren't going so well for you, where you you can now channel it into going uh, in a better direction.
1: So- I think we're pretty similar though. Like it's been interesting to watch as having left the army in my career in dogs mm. and the trials and tribulations I've had an ultimate success. I mean, you've basically done the same thing. And like going from baptism of fire, right? Like, oh, yeah. oh, holy fuck, I have to figure this out.
0: Well, I mean, your food
1: is one of those things you need. You know? <laughs> Especially big boys like us. Exactly. You know, <laughs> if you want to get big, you got to yeah, eat big. Exactly, right?
0: You know, I'm eating 8,000 calories a day, you know, just in a cheese
1: duchy. A friend of ours actually used to put away eight grand a day. And we call him the, the, the human, human triangle. triangle. Like, yeah. if he's got fat under his patellas, I'd be surprised. Yeah. like <laughs> he, he, he used
2: to put away what?
1: 8,000 calories a day. Oh, my God. you got to eat big, yeah. big buddy. And the dude, is, we call him the human triangle. He is yeah. like- carved out of stone yeah. enormous wow And to, to, to get that many calories you can't get that from food like he's smashing chocolate caramel milkshakes all day like you, no, ca- yeah, you cannot clean eat eight thousand calories a no. day and nor should you <laughs> like, that's just no fun anyway carry on sir but yeah man like it's definitely
0: like i think there's a really interesting concept called the wall right and close personal friend of mine ryan sorhan talks about this okay. um <laughs> for a million dollar listing right so he's a he's a he's a client of mine so that's one of the guys from the show Million Dollar List. Yeah, thing. he does like a billion dollars in real estate every year. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's Shit. he's actually a client of mine. So I sell his real estate coaching. And so he took he has this concept called the wall. And it's like in, in business, you you have a moment that you're running away from. Right. And for me, it was like sitting there in a fucking gorilla suit, yep. walking around Bonner Junction, going like, please give me money. Mm-hmm. right, <laughs> right. And I was like heaps in debt. And I was like, I spent years running away from that. Like hell for leather. Mm -hmm. And then about a year ago, I stopped running away from something and I started running towards something. And it's a real shift in how you spend money. And it comes from security. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I don't have to fucking worry. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everything is good. And so now I'm running towards stuff and that's much more fun. Mm -hmm. Right? It's, It's much more enjoyable. You can you know, the decisions that you make are totally different. And yep. so, you know, once we identify the moment that we're running away from, yep. like that's how we kind of start to move forward in business because it's like, okay, we are like, be conscious I'm running away from that and then start to find the thing that you're running towards mm-hmm. and then just do the things that make sense to get there.
1: That's yeah. NipoPo. That's the idea. Yeah. Is that like you're ultimately- you am NipoPo. You are nipopo. <laughs> <laughs> ultimately, your goal is to get the good thing but you know that gorilla suit's right behind you, right? Mm. Like that's, that's always looming in the background. You, you've initially got away from that, but if you were to just stop and go like, fuck it, I'm going to sit on my hands. Yeah. It's going to come back. That gorilla, you're putting that back on. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And so I just think it's important that people lay out a foundation of what they want to achieve, like make it important. And talking about money is not a bad thing. I have no problems talking about money to anyone. Of you know, like how much do I want to earn? How much, like, like, how, like when do I want to earn it? Like, what's my goals and mm-hmm. and then like money doesn't money doesn't mean anything though. It's then you have to attach what the money does for you, mm. and that's how you sell coaching, right? And it's the same way you sell dog coaching, but you you know it's just different. You're like the outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to get if you want to make more money in your business, you have to have a goal. Like you're you're you train dogs for a living, like you know how behavior works. Like if you don't have a goal, you're just gonna stay stagnant. So mm-hmm. have a goal, and then have like a, you know I have a vision board in my house. So above our kettle, right, we have like financial goals, business goals, personal goals for myself, my wife, and then we have goals for each kid, which is like outcomes that we want to help them achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're a really little young, so it's like you know reading goals and just stuff like that.
2: So, so the vision board's a real thing. You're you're an advocate for it. I have a real vision board. Yeah. Okay, because it helps me
0: like realign my values when mm-hmm. I'm when I'm demotivated or having a shit day. I'm like, okay, this is why I'm doing it, right? These are the short-term outcomes. These are the long-term outcomes. And then I have like a why. There's a fantastic guy called Simon Senek, right? And he talks about like the, what is your why? And it's like the importance. And I'll talk to you about it. Actually, there's an interesting concept in sales and marketing called the nightmare story right mm-hmm. which you espouse pretty much perfectly mm-hmm. right because how you got into dog training was a nightmare story mm-hmm. right like you had to get good at it mm-hmm. and so the story that i tell when i was selling personal training and this is like a this is a way that you can get trust and get people to convey
1: vulnerability i'll, I'll tell it how i tell it Right. Okay. And so it's probably very relevant because the overwhelming majority of dog trainers, that is how they get into it. Yeah. Like exactly like exactly. me. Yeah. Fuck, so, I've got this dog. i have got to figure this out. And you out.
0: have the story that you've told, but you have to, you have to get good at telling it mm-hmm. because when, when there's a surface level conversation happening, like that's not productive, you have to be able to go deep and you have to have some emotion there because mm-hmm. people buy on emotion. And so when I, when I could tell that there was a conversation, whether it be training or stuff like that, that wasn't going, It just was surface level and I could feel it. I go, hey man, do you mind if we just kind of stop for a second? They go, yeah. So you pattern interrupt straight away. You're like, we're going out of this process. Like I need to fix something. And I was like, do you mind if I tell you why I'm a coach? Because like, I kind of get the feeling that like we're not on the same page and I want to make sure that you know why this is important to me. And then I'm going to ask you why you want to get the result that you want. And hopefully we get a good answer. Is that Mm -hmm. cool? I go, cool. And I was like, so
2: when I was a kid,
0: I was fat right? I was a really fat little kid. And I remember when I was 12 years old, I was in the shower and I looked down at my belly and I grabbed it and I, and I like tried to sort of take it off. And I was like, why do I have this? And I had no idea. And I grew up in the States and my parents, God bless them. Awesome. Parents have no idea about food. Right. And so I was allowed unfettered access to soda, Coke, Nutella, white bread, you you name it. All the good stuff. And so I was, like, my behavior wasn't my fault, right? Like, so, like, it, it's not me, it's the behavior, right? But the behavior was was given to me. And so as I got older, I was never, like, lean, but I wasn't fat because I kind of grew really quickly. But, but I was always just, like, I was that fat kid that moved a lot. And so that kind of shaped who I am as a person because I had to be funny and it really sort of, you know, for for better or for worse as well. Like it makes me care about what people think about me more, right? Because I was always having to justify why I was fat, you know? And so as I got older and I got into the army, thank God, and like I sort of saw a healthier somewhat way where I got into PT because I never once saw my family exercise, ever. Ever my whole life. Right. I didn't know it was like a thing that people did regularly. I thought it was like just something that rich people did or that like, you know, like athletes did. Right. And so then I was like, okay, this is good. And then I met my wife. My wife grew up in a household that really valued exercise and food. Right. Like really. So, and then when I started noticing, I was like, oh, Sammy can eat whatever she wants when we go on holiday. And then I started looking and I was like, well, she actually makes way better choices. I was like, so her defaults are like, you know her snacks. You know, like bottle of water and fruit, and mm-hmm. mine's like you know a Kit Kat and a Coke, right? Like those are like the snacks. That, like, and there's your calorie difference, right? And so when I realized that, I was like, ah, oh, shit, like I've been given this, right? And so when I became a trainer, I was like, I can stop people from giving that to their kids, and that's kind of like, you know, I was like, if I can, if I can help people kind of realize. Like, like what they're doing and make it conscious, then I can help the people who have kids not have that 12-year-old that just doesn't fucking understand why they're fat because from what they can see, they're doing everything the same as everybody else. So that's why I'm on this side of the table. Like, why the fuck do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. And there's like a really quiet deafening in the room, you know what I mean? Like, and so like when you, you talk like that, like it's a real story and like, it's moderately upsetting to tell. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so like, and I've realized that, and that's like a real thing. And I don't want to pass it on to my kids. So like, I'm very conscious of like not allowing those habits to occur. Mm. That's like a parenting thing that we do. Yeah. You're breaking the chain. Yeah, exactly. Right. Mm. And so, You can do the same with dogs and you can do the same with business and all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, when I was in business and I was working 80 hours a week, like I got a mentor to help me out of that because I was like, when Sammy got pregnant, I was like, fuck, she told me, she was like, bro, you're not, you're not doing this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm lucky I'm married to quite a strong woman. I think that's probably an understatement, but she was like, you're not, you're not doing this shit when the kid's born, right? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, so, you know, we we got it sorted, right? And so that was a real moment for me. Mm -hmm. And then when I help people through business coaching, that's one of the main reasons people want it because they're they're sick of working in their business all the time and not spending time with their families, right? Like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. And so like that nightmare story is a great, like, I call it tactical vulnerability, which is kind of like a, I guess a gross way of saying it, but it's Mm -hmm. like the most apt way that I can think of calling it, which is where like... You know, somebody understands your journey and your story in like a two to three minute little segment that conveys emotion and people will naturally mirror each other's emotions. So if I convey vulnerability, so will you. And so when you understand why somebody needs something, you're on the best footing to get them out of their own way to get the job done. Mm. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's super relevant and and it relates to so many, like provided you can tell the real story, but you're not making it up, right? Yeah, Exactly. But I think that is really powerful for people because, you know, that's what I do. At the start of every seminar, I it, my opening thing is explaining how I went from baptism by fire, having seen a military working dog, was like, I'm going to get one of them. <laughs> and <laughs> I can't then, go wrong. <laughs> then essentially realizing I live with a dragon uh, and had no idea to ultimately then being mentored or coached by the best dog trainer on the planet, right? And so like that process I think is an important piece of what I teach and I think for everybody that it's showing we can get through this and I've been through it. I know the path. I've, I've walked this ground. I can get you through that. I reckon that's one of the, for me anyway, I think that's one of the most comforting things to hear, not even as a sales technique because I'd use it. I've already sold you. When you're hearing that story from me at the seminar, you're already there. You've paid your money. But I think it gives people that, like, first of all, it's humility to show, like, I have fucked up many times. It's relatability, yeah. And I said, you know, I said that to the guys. I had the boot camp the other week, and people were like, "Oh, I think I've made some mistakes with this dog." And I said, oh, "I can't even tell you how many dogs I've fucked up. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's the process. That's how you learn, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And every dog is practice for the next dog. Yeah. But I think that humility piece, and it's like, I've I can get you out of this difficulty you're in because I've walked the. I've walked this ground. I know, yeah. I know the steps cause I've walked them. I don't know the theory of it. I didn't learn this like off a slide. I've fucking been through this. I've done the practical life of it.
0: And also like how much credibility do I have if I come in here and say, Oh, I've got a, a I've got three masters in sales and marketing.
1: Yeah. Like it doesn't,
0: it. It, no one cares. Yeah. Right. So it's like people, because it almost seems unachievable. So like, Oh, well to get to where you are, I have to do three masters degrees. Like, and I don't have any masters degrees. Like, I can barely graduate high school, but in, right there with you, bro. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mediocrity at its best. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, you know, it, it's again, it, it's like, it's that status alignment. It's like, oh, cool. Like you're up here, but like you can get there because you did and you didn't have any extraordinary, events that like you don't have super rich parents that paid for you to do it, you know, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah, yeah. stuff like that. So not that like there's anything wrong with that in particular, but like it allows you a level of vulnerability and like authenticity that people can go, Oh, if he did it, I can do it, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah.
1: Hey, we talked about uh, getting referrals. Tell me your thoughts on referring out. So something I've noticed in, so dog industry is a funny one. Uh, there's a lot of difficult people to, <laughs> To be as kind as I can. Yeah, it's uh, every industry. I think 80% of people are shit at their job. <laughs> and just this but, is a general rule. But what I find is people like the more the people who refer out the most, I can't do that, I don't have capacity, or I don't just don't want to do that, call this guy, tend to to seem like the most successful people. When I look at that uh, people who I see referring out seem to be living in a land of abundance. For sure. Uh, Is there anything behind that other than that it's good energy or that they really are, but like, what is the process for that in that I just don't want this job or you're too difficult as a client or I don't have capacity, whatever the reason, but instead of saying, I can't help you saying I can't, but this guy can, and here's all the steps to get in with him. Like I can, I'll help you get along the way rather than just saying like, call this guy.
0: Yeah. I think having referral networks is super important. Because I think that you're going to come across a lot of people and there's just that, like, law of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? The more you put out there, the more you give in. Like, if somebody gets me a lot of referrals, I'm going to – like they're going to be front of mind the moment that I have someone who I think I can refer to. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the basic premise of it. And I think most people who do that are generally in a position to where they can do that. Yeah. You know, like they're not the guys who have to just say yes to everything. It's like, no, oh, okay. Like, uh, yeah, I can do that. Or nah, it's not really my thing, but this guy will do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I just think it really comes in a position where you're not running away from it. You're running towards it. Yeah. yeah. You know, so once you've made that transition and you feel like, Oh, I'm not an imposter anymore. You know, which is like that imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, no, I actually know my shit. Like I think I only figured out that
1: I was actually good at sales like six months ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I was like, I think I'm. I think imposter syndrome is a big thing in dog tr- dog world, mm. for sure. Like that Dunning-Kruger, yep. the more you know, the, the more you realize you don't know it's and then people. Curve, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I, think it's, I think it's a big one. I think, you know, referring out is a great way. Like I refer out to people all the time.
1: Like I had a guy who
0: wanted to do sales training with me and he wanted to learn a method that I learned off another guy. And I was like, well, don't, don't get it off me. Like, that's just like, I'd I love your money. But like, I mean, just learn from the guy that taught me how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I just put them into connection and I was like, hey, go learn off that guy. There's mm-hmm.
2: two interesting variables that happen there, which on my regular day job, like my workload is increased exponentially because we've grown and we, we're continuing to grow. Even in a negative market, we're still doing quite well. All right, Glenn. <laughs> no, but we are. We're actually, we were bracing for some some heavy impact because we're tourism related, but we've done okay, you know, which is what I'm trying to say. But there's two variables in that that mind state because there's people that when I am too busy, I've said, you know, like, because a lot of people come to me for aggression with dogs and so forth, but there's been a lot of times recently where I've said, look, I'm not in a position at the moment I can do it. I'm going to refer you to a few people, either see X, Y, or Z. The interesting thing is I either get gratitude or they want me more. Like they come back to me and say, why can't you do it? Do you want me to pay you more money? And that was an interesting phenomenon that's been happening more recently. And I've said, no, I I legitimately can't do it like it's not a dollar figure. I'm not trying to insult you or just get rid of you and, and be flipping about it. I, I cannot do, I would do you an injustice trying to book you in and then screw you around trying to find a slot for you that I can't fulfill. So, you know, like I'm sending you to legitimately good people that I know will get you results. Like I said, the funny phenomenon is that some people will say, oh, thanks, man. You know that's really cool, or they just they're more insistent. People like they, always one thing they can't have. But that, that's, that's just human. Beings. They'll, they'll try and book me six months down the track. Yeah. And I said yeah. I don't know where I'm going to be in six months. Like I can't I can't project that far down down the line to actually give it to you and and say yeah I can absolutely commit to it. There have been people that have been insistent on. I have said all right, well let's let's do it. You so know. to leave
0: a non refundable deposit? We can. Uh... <laughs> yeah,
2: but. But that's it. I've got clients now that are booked in at Christmas time because that's the soonest I can see them.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it just comes from that whole like, you know, depending on the position you're in, right? If you can refer out, refer out. If you can't, you can't. But I think you need to be pretty clear on what you can and can't do. And I think you need to have a real, like real introspective look on what your wheelhouse is Mm -hmm. and then probably just try and be the guy in that wheelhouse. You know what I mean? And just do the best you can because there is a lot of different things that I could do in sales, but there are most things I have no interest in. Mm. And so I like to be like the guy in a very particular niche because like I like that niche and I'm good at it. And if people ask me to do other stuff, I go, ah, that's, that's not me. You know, so if you understand that, then, you know, you can generally I like ha- that. have a really good referral network and people will refer to you because you're the guy who does that.
1: Yeah, specializing is so, if you can get away with it, it's so much better. Right, because so then you this is easy. I've seen this. I've seen the five hundred different versions this can be.
2: Like step, 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 go through. Yeah. Rather, then than, you don't have to take the stinky deals.
1: Yeah, well, when you get to that point
0: where you no longer have to, mm. it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and that's just on your messaging. So you can say yes to other clients that are outside your niche in the beginning, but you want to niche down straight away. Mm-hmm. You know, and you want to go a few layers. So, like, okay, like who am I working with? What sort of problems are they having? And and you know, like like where am I going with
1: this? So I can start to
0: target my messaging towards those people. Yes.
1: Speaking of messaging, am I right in saying that you offer also a thing on selling via text message?
0: Yes. I sell by text all the time.
1: So that, that's an interesting one, right? Because I think in dogs, we get a lot of that, right? Cause it's a, uh, it can be really referral based Facebook sort of thing. So we get a lot of, I know I do. I know a lot of, and I, on refer this way as well just via facebook messenger
0: yeah facebook messenger is huge people are conditioned these days to have emotional conversations over text and messenger Mm yeah because that's like how a lot of people connect right Mm -hmm. and there's also you can do voice which is fantastic because so you use that a lot right i I do nothing but voice yeah if i well if i'm selling i'll do a combination of the two like if it's a straightforward question then i can just put in but if it
1: needs inflection i'll do it in voice okay Right. So, there so certain- that's interesting. Right. So you in the, within the messaging app, record a voice recording and send yeah. that if you are worried about how your tone could be perceived in yeah. a message. If it's a straightforward
0: question, like, I mean, my sales structure is pretty complicated, but like it's like I have beginning questions, which I would have to do over voice because they're very inflection based. Like, mm. so, do, so do you like the training process you have now is very different. So do you like the training process you have now? Mm -hmm. Right, so I'll say that one, but the follow-up questions, what do you mean by that? Has that had an impact? those are all text. Right. Right? So I teach that in the closing code. The <laughs> the the link will be in the show notes. But um <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so like but a sales guy. It's when you spring it on you, you know, right at the very end. But yeah, so you know, selling via text again, it's the same process as what you take someone through via voice. Like it's yeah. the exact same because people are super conditioned these days. And you know, like humble brag, but I sold a guy into a $17,000 coaching package without ever picking up the phone. Mm-hmm. It took me probably a total of like 10 minutes
1: over two days yeah, and sent him through. Like it was just, but I think that's a powerful thing these days because like me, when my phone rings, I stare at it blankly. Like, why is this person calling me instead yeah. of texting me, right? Mm. Because it's such, that's how the world we live in these days. So I think that sale over text has got to be part of your- The only thing you have to do
0: differently is the way you formulate your pitch has to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like, so economy of words is incredibly important. Yeah. And that's what tech, selling over text gets you really good at. You realize how little words you have to say. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people tend to try and fill silences with just random bullshit mm-hmm. to make themselves feel better. Mm. And if you're doing something to make yourself feel better, trust me, you're not doing yourself any favors. right? <laughs> um, like if you set an agenda to call like, hey, the point of this call is to do this, this, and this, and then we're going to do this. And it's like, no one cares. Like they, they know what the call is for. You don't have to do that. Right? right. It's there to make you feel like you're in control. And so... But you can just honestly, man, like if you just, what, okay, what is the problem? What are you hoping out of having this conversation with me? Like, like, what's your aim? Okay. That makes sense. Like, what are you currently doing to solve that problem? Like, how long has that been a problem? Okay. And do you like the way that you're currently working on that problem? If yes, if no, we've already gone through that. Okay, perfect. And then you just kind of extrapolate out. Okay. Well, like, can you explain to me a little bit more about the impact of that problem? all right, that makes sense. And, you know, what happens if you don't fix it? Or you can throw in a little bit of coaching in there if you want, sort of what happens if you do this? What happens if you do this? Okay, sweet. Again, don't offer any solutions or suggestions. Just get the information because Mm -hmm. it's too early in the piece. Mm -hmm. And then take them through a process where sort of at towards the end and you think you've uncovered all the problems and, and why it's important for them to do it. Then go, hey, you know, if you want, I can take you through how I work and how I can help solve some of your problems. Would that be okay? And they're like, yes, please. Because... When somebody's outlined all their problems and then you say hey would you like me to tell you how to solve them people are generally fairly receptive to that yeah you know and then it's like okay cool and then price term feature benefit problem it solves have like two or three of them if you have too many features and too many benefits you're gonna confuse somebody Mm -hmm. and they're gonna go like oh my god that's so many things like i need to go away and think about this and then at the end of it's like does that make sense okay yes it does does it feel like it could really help you Yes, it does. Is there anything in particular that you think is of most benefit to you? Yes. Okay. And why is that important to you right now? Okay. Perfect. How would you like to proceed?
2: There's an interesting thing you're talking about, like giving people excessive abundance in, in decision making. There was an Italian restaurant, it's local chain, Craniti's. Every time I went there, they had a massive, massive menu that used to overwhelm me. Yeah. Like it, you'd open it, and it was almost like a book. There was just too many options. Like I've been to restaurants before where you think, oh, you know, a few more options would be nice. This place gave you the abundant it's like menu. Like the Cheesecake
0: Factory in the States. It, yeah,
2: exactly. It was just page after page. Like you keep folding this this menu out on the table, and it was it was enormous. Like the amount of food that you could order. I actually found that intimidating when I went to the restaurant. It was one of the points that made me not want to go back there was the, the menu was just too big. Yeah. So I found a local restaurant which was similar type of food, had a comprehensive menu, and to be honest, I don't think their food was as good. But it was just the menu that really got to me. And I didn't realize until I went to another place, I just thought, this is just ridiculous. There's just too much on this fucking too menu. Too much choice. Just too much choice. Brains,
1: That's yeah. so yeah. American, though. You notice that. Like in America, have these giant menus with so many different options. You
2: at well, Have you ever at seen an American
1: go, sales page versus an Australian sales page? Nah. So Americans use long form sales, right? Yeah. It's very different. You so. can say, we should point out to people, you've lost your accent pretty much. I. I do you, reckon, do you reckon he's got an accent anymore? Yeah. It's a bit mongrel. Yeah. You, yeah. I would talk to you so much, you probably don't hear it. Yeah, I probably don't notice, but you are American yeah. or
2: you were, you, yeah. you're fully Australian now.
1: Yeah. So I'm, you yeah. can say whatever you want. You can, you can just say whatever you I like.
3: Shit, <laughs>
2: but right. you, you, right. When you came in the door and you, your normal voices, you talk very fast and you do have a an accent. I was trying to pick up on it. I wasn't quite sure if it was Canadian or American or. The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you did live in Canada yeah. for
1: four years.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But when you sat down here to do the podcast, your whole voice inflection changed. Yeah. Became Australian. It's my yeah. coaching voice. Yeah, your coaching voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your yeah podcast yeah. voice.
0: Yeah, so um, what are we talking about? American sales page Yeah, American sales, sales page. pages, they use what's called long form sales, yeah. which is like really, you know, so you just scroll and yeah. scroll. Every Aussie is like, fuck. Yeah, this. we don't yeah. have, we, we don't. Like have we that. ain't got time. Yeah, for that. So Aussie sales pages are one, maybe two folds. So a fold is like when you scroll. Yeah. So like if you ever have an opt-in button, if you're ever making it, you have to have the opt-in above the fold, right? Mm. So the first thing they see is that. Um, but Americans, like, they just love these long form sales with like- testimony. Still? Oh, yeah still. Yeah. Like, so if I'm running marketing in the States, it's a different sales funnel than Australia. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally different. Even though the cultures are so similar, but Australians hate being sold to and Americans love being sold to.
2: That explains their TV, like five minutes of TV and then 10 minutes of ads. Exactly. It's yeah. crazy. Like you you hear, you, people just will not put up with that, that same sort of- pitching yeah. but over there it's just ad after we ad we have a much shorter ad. attention span which mm.
0: is why which it's just why Australian reality TV shows are like the world standard so we take reality TV shows and we make them better because our attention spans are horrific. Really? Yeah. Is so that why? Like, yeah. So MasterChef, like that gets resold as like the new MasterChef, uh, Ninja Warrior. They've just redone it. So now it's two people going at once and they're racing.
1: Ah, I like that. Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hey, 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 more
3: competition.
0: <laughs> yeah. But the American one, like I, I've got to mate who's name is a producer on the American one. They haven't changed it in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're three years into it and we're changing format because Australians are so fucking like, difficult to hold attention
1: yeah right and i think there's just not many of us well that explains the big menu thing because i always find that when when i'm in the states is the huge menus and i'm like it's there's too many things here there's yeah, too many things yeah. and then when americans don't like a small menu yeah They're like i want choice but then yeah but then when you go like i'll have this and they go with what kind of bread and what kind of this and what kind of that? And you're like, holy shit! There's just so many options yeah. in Australia. It's like these are the eight things you fuck. <laughs>
3: yeah. and, and can I change this? No. You yeah. think
1: you know better than the fucking chef? Yeah. He has desi- He has yeah. decided to cook it this way. I don't like this food. It was bad. Okay, you can pay for it.
0: And
3: yeah. Leave. There's yeah. a guy yeah. out in
2: front who wants stuff. <laughs> Spit in his food.
1: Yeah. 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 I'll leave no tip. Well, we don't care. Yeah. That's not how it works here. Beat it, loser. Yeah. Get yeah. out.
0: Don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that sums up Australia, right? Like it's a different buying culture. <laughs> it really. totally is, right? Yeah. You know, so, and I don't know if that's got to do with some of the tall poppy syndrome that I think Aussies have compared to Americans. Like if you see someone driving around a Lamborghini,
1: generally everyone thinks they're a dickhead. Yeah. Whereas in the States, people go, oh, you've done well for yourself. That is an interesting phenomenon in Australia, that tall poppy syndrome. We just love cutting people down. You're not better than me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. cut you down at the knees yeah and that that is reflected in sales yeah it really is because like the way that we have to you have to be careful not to come off as the the, the messiah right like exactly. because people go fuck you yeah
0: man australians are way more difficult to sell like i would say 90 percent of my business is in the us mm. for that exact reason like first of all we're a tiny market mm-hmm. so if someone came to me the other day like hey want to expand to australia i go why Mm. There's like 10 people here (laughs) i was like this is makes no sense i was like just like go to canada yeah like you know like we have half the people that are in california like to for the infrastructure you'd have to build yeah to get aussies on board like it's there's no money in it so like just don't bother Uh but then when australians do well in australia and they take that overseas it's bonanza yeah right like they crush it because like it's trial by fire Australia is a difficult marketplace to sell, and that's everything from retail, because it's a very skeptical, very jaded marketplace, because we still have the same amount of industry, we have far less people. So we're inundated with things on a much higher frequency than what Americans are. Mm -hmm. So like we're far more sophisticated in how we buy, which is why like, you know, because in America you can rotate your marketing. So not everyone is seeing everything you do. Whereas in Australia, we don't have the luxury of being able to do that. So we have to evolve the marketing to the same marketplace over and over again. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's a difficult place to sell. But it's not saying it can't be done because it gets done obviously of times yeah, a day. Yeah. But you really have to have a process that it's makes fine. sense. So I guess to kind of sum it all up, the way that you can get better at sales without getting better at sales is like step one, have a process. Step two, really figure out your niche. Step three, make sure you understand the problems and active listen and really like really take care as to what that person's doing. Step four, get the closing code, which is like, which is the link in the show notes. And then step five, you know, put that whole thing together and have a process where you follow up people who don't sell mm-hmm. because those people are not dead to you, right? And have no ego about that. It's not you, it's them, trust me. I learned a really valuable lesson a while ago, which is where I was having a really bad day and I had a bunch of people like pull out and do all this kind of stuff, all these when I was selling for a business coach. And this guy said, hey, call me back at seven o'clock and I'll give him my credit card details. Called him back, to me, right? And I couldn't get a hold of him for two or three days. And I sent him like an email, right? Which was like, you know, this is really disrespectful. And it was like, it was such an ego moment. And I had a real, like, when he replied, it really checked me. right? Because he had like a genuine family issue that happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm a cunt, right? And it was just like, wow, like that ego for me to want him to know. That's all it did. It was mm-hmm. like, I need you to know that I think you're a dick, right? Whereas instead of I could have gone, Hey man, is there anything I can support you in this? Like, and then he might not have bought, but he might have come back. Mm-hmm. And he actually ended up skirting around me and signing up directly to the business owner, which cost me two thousand bucks in commission. Mm. You know, and I was like, Wow, that is a reality Trek. So like nowadays, my follow up game is is very supportive. I use a lot of memes,
2: yeah, right, to get people's attention because it's a good pattern interrupt. I heard on your podcast, you've got a guy that you sign up to that he does business memes.
0: Yeah. So there's a guy named Drew B. Wilson. So he's the right hand man of that Ryan Stuman guy. He has a, he's a course. It's like 97 bucks US, which is called Closer Memes, mm. which is like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of meme templates and like how to use them and how to get follow up. And I, you would shudder to think how much money I've made from memes. Yeah. Because, like,
1: someone who's like memes are fucking powerful, man. People are convinced that Bill Gates is trying to put microchips in them because yeah. someone made a meme saying that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> so, like, I have a follow up. I, I have heaps of follow up memes, and people just don't get back to you. And it's funny and it's lighthearted, like and there's context behind it. So, people are like, ah, sorry, man. I've just been super busy. Let's chat tomorrow. Stuff mm. like that. So, but you know, no ego. Just chill out. Buy the closing code. Keep going. You never. Know, re- <laughs> <laughs> See how good that was? And so, yeah, just like make sure you don't have an ego and have a process and then ask for referrals because you won't get them unless you ask for them. Yeah, mm. Have a process behind that and then have a process to follow people up and then try and create a great client experience and you should be fine.
2: So I just mentioned that you've got a podcast show, which Pat put me on to. Mm. What is it? It's called Coffee is for Closers. So it's sort of a bit it's of no
0: a uh, copyright issues there. No, no, no. I've I've got the domain. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm sure there's someone out there that'll fight me for if it gets big enough. But so yeah, it's just like uh, it's like a parody on the old sort of you know that whole old era of like closers. You know mm. what I mean? Which is kind of like a stupid era. The whole always be closing type stuff. Yep. And, and so we just talk to salespeople, talk about sales, talk about different sales strategies and tactics, and also a lot about how to manage salespeople. Um, And then we have loads of guests on. Yeah, I
2: listened to it. I I enjoyed
0: it. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, Mm. we got, you know, people like Jeremy Miner, who's like sales training to Google. So we did a podcast with him. He has Mm -hmm. loads of insight and he's helped people, everything from door-to-door roofing sales to Google, to me, to like, you name it. Like his stuff is awesome. He has a great course called NEPQ. If you're out there and you want to do like a course course, it's about two and a half thousand US and it's worth about 10. So. Get on that. It's always a good one. But yeah, listen to the podcasts. You know, there's there's some really helpful stuff. All the, um, it's
1: on YouTube as well. Mm. And uh, yeah. I think it's an important part, man. I think a lot of people transition from that, jobby to the job yeah, and they're fantastic on the tools. But if you don't have people coming in the door to, to give you their dog to train, mm. you're never going to grow. You're never going to expand. You're never going to get to to do your good if you can't sell. And it's, it's it's sticky and gross as some people find it. It's one of those necessary evils. So you may as well get comfortable and get good at it.
0: Exactly. You know, there's no point not being good at it because, you know, like I said, food's
2: expensive. <laughs> so you're <laughs> oh, yeah, well eating I mean. 8,000 cal- calories a exactly. day, it's a lot to put away. Mm. Yeah.
1: Hey, thanks for doing it. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, it was Pleasure. really
2: interesting, mate. Thank you very much. What's yeah. that
1: Facebook thing again? Uh, the closing code. The closing is, code. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So there's a Facebook group and there's also a membership site. Link will be in the show notes.
1: <laughs> he keeps saying. <laughs> Sometimes you got to hear something a few times so let it sink in. Always be closing. <laughs> always be closing. Yeah, exactly. All right, thanks, dude. Hey, that's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear... Please jump onto however you download the show and tell us specifically what was the thing, what was it that uh, made you think, yeah, I like this show. I'll listen to another one. Maybe it was some advice that we gave. Maybe it was a guest that we had on. Who knows? But you could put that specifically in your review. How's that? That'd be great. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that I
2: would definitely good... be open to that. Yeah, you yeah. would. <laughs> <laughs> Does and that if you make want sense? to Specifically,
1: yeah. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is via Patreon. Three bucks a month there gets you an extra episode. But you know, you could put in as much as you want. You could uh, buy us access to a, what's your most expensive product, Matt? What's it? Uh, uh, it's a hundred thousand, hundred thousand dollar yep. coaching program. It's a fully blown redo of your entire sales system. There you go. Amazing. You could get, you could get us that with Matt, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or you could get it in a Teespring and buy some cool merch. We got some new stuff in there. Yeah, looking super cool. From Avery, the Mind Blown Collection. Yep. And if you want to get in contact with us, best way to do that is in our Facebook group. Uh, We are the Canine Paradigm Discussion Group on Facebook. Group source some information there. Or if it's of a personal nature, shoot us an email. We are info at thecanineparadigm.com. That's it. Glenn, Music.